0: Hey guys, it's Kyle on the season finale of 10 Questions, Sebastian Maniscalco. We got him. Great stories from being on set with Scorsese and De Niro. He has Chipotle takes. And the thing he hates that most people love, it's an amazing episode. Sebastian Maniscalco, all yours, Bruce Buffer. Do your thing.
1: This podcast is scheduled for 10 Questions. Fighting! Out of New York, standing at five feet eleven inches tall, and wearing the red, white, and blue trunks, presenting Kyle Pratt.
0: Well, thank you, Bruce Buffer. Thank you, everybody listening, watching. Welcome to another episode of Ten Questions, where we don't just have conversations; we have competitions, and everybody leaves with a score. This one is very special, and I say that for every episode. This time, I actually mean it. 10 questions in every episode somehow related to the contestant's life or career. If they get the question right, they get a point. If they get the question wrong, they get nothing. And this is where we normally, before we bring in the contestant, we play some prior contestants saying what they got and what their score was. We're going to do this differently. Because you remember way back in season two, we had Vigo Mortensen on the show. Guy nominated for an Oscar, but every five minutes, he returned the ring of power back to Mount Doom. He's a legend. And we said, Vigo, who should come in here and do this show? Who should compete with your score? He could have said anybody, and here's what he landed on, Vigo Mortensen, way back in season two.
1: Sebastian, I challenge you to uh, try to
0: top my score. Eight out of 10. You know, you're from Chicago. You guys have stuff to talk about. Yeah. You're a very funny man. Um, I assume you know a lot about sports, but I don't know that. <laughs> um, but you're very quick on your feet. I think you'd have a good chance to go 10 for 10. So I challenge you to go at least
1: nine for 10.
0: Absolutely beautiful. Let's get this guy in here. Here's what you need to know as I introduce him. This gentleman once got a compliment on his legs from John Travolta. He used to work at Fuddruckers, which I went to all the time, one of my favorite restaurants as a kid. A mutual colleague of ours says this guy is an interestingly quiet dude. He has a new show. Well done with Sebastian Maniscalco. I hope there's a Fuddruckers episode. And he's doing the Nobody Does This tour. Of tickets available at SebastianLive.com. We got him, Mr. Mortensen. Sebastian Maniscalco, welcome to 10 Questions. Wow,
1: thanks, bro. I uh, I am shocked, to be honest with you, that Hugo Mortensen even remembered uh, working with me. Uh, so for him to challenge me on this, uh, on this is... Uh, I was stunned. So it, it's good to be here, fellow Chicagoan. It's nice to always talk to people from, uh, from the Northwest suburbs where I grew up. And uh, thanks for having me on the show.
0: Thrilled to have you. My wife and I are massive fans. We have been for a long time, Sebastian. Here's the deal. Ten questions. We'll get into it. They're going to be a little weird. Just know that ahead of time. But I can only promise you they do relate to you in one way or another. And I, there's an ace in the hole you got. Sebastian, if at any point you're like, what is this? What? I have no idea. There's a lifeline and our lifeline on the show is called Ask a Millennial. We have a real millennial who will come in in another window here and lend his youthful perspective. You can call for it anytime you want. Sound good? That sounds great. All right, 10 questions with Sebastian Maniscalco. Can he beat Vigo Mortensen's score? It starts now. Sebastian, your first category is The Sopranos. The Sopranos, okay? In The Sopranos, who is Meadow's father. Tony Soprano. Okay, he says Tony quickly. Ladies and gentlemen, is he right to go one for one? Yes, sir. You're on the board. All right, now, Sebastian, I could have asked you about the Sopranos because the Italian thing and the TV. No, no, no. I'm asking you about Meadow because of Rolling Meadows, where you went to high school. That was your high school, the Mustangs. Can you take me back I always love asking, senior year in high school, Sebastian, you're rolling Meadows High. What do you like? What's Maniscalco like?
1: So Maniscalco in high school, uh, on the soccer team, not in the popular crowd, hung out with another group of guys from Prospect High School. So I wasn't really piped in to my own high school, only for academics and soccer. I wasn't going to Taco Bell on Friday night before the football game. I was going to alumni club with a fake ID. So I had a fake ID when I was 16 and I was living a much more adult life Mm -hmm. than my years reflected. So I don't know if you got caught up in this craze uh, in Chicago, but that's all we were doing was going dancing on the weekends. Uh, there was no uh, there was no football games, there was none of that. We were going to teen dance clubs, and then subsequently, when we got our fake IDs, we would be going to like Acapulco Bar and- right.
0: <laughs> Acapulco Bar was going big. I know that place. Let me ask you your fake ID. Sebastian, what species did you have? Did you have like your picture with some crappy fake, or did you have an older person's actual license?
1: I'm gonna leave it at this with the fake ID. It was my photo. Okay. okay. And it was authentic. All right. We're gonna leave it at that.
0: <laughs> Did you get this from some inside guys? Or like that? Leave it at that as a shady thing to say about your idea. I need to know the roots.
1: I don't know if I could elaborate on that topic <laughs> anymore without being um <laughs> Arrest. <laughs> smart,
0: smart. But you took it and you went to Acapulco and you danced. And what do you think you're wearing that night at Acapulco while you're dancing as a senior in high school?
1: So what is this? This is 1991. I had a beautiful Giorgio Brutini slip on, no socks, an IOU sweatshirt from merry Go Round and um and Cavaricci's.
0: Oh yeah. Z Cavaricchis, right. I, I gotta be older
1: than you. I'm 48, so this might be a ahead of your time.
0: I'm 43. I wore Cavaricchis, but I wear them in junior high. Not high, so I'm with you, dude. I'm, I'm totally with you. Same part of the country, raised in a lot of the same ways. Sebastian, you're one for one. You already got the hardest thing. You got a point. Let's move to question number two. Question number two, your cat, this might change things dramatically. Question number two, your category is rap music. All right, let's jump ahead. It's the early 2000s, you're in LA, you're working to make it, you're living your dream. There was a song in 2002, big hit. The song was called Hot In Here. Who was that song by?
1: You know what, I'm gonna call the millennial. Bring him I- in.
0: Great idea. Get him in here, see that, you're so smart. Some people wanna save it, you can't save it. Richie Bozek, say hello to Sebastian Maniscalco.
1: Sebastian, how you doing? What's up?
0: (laughs) All right, so 2002, songs called Hot In Here. Now Richie has been hot himself. He got Gaffigan the point, he got Jim Belushi the point, he's on a bit of a hot streak. You guys have 30 seconds to talk through this, Sebastian and Richie, go. Sebastian, I'm, I'm still feeling hot. That was Nelly. I'm very confident that was Nelly.
1: Nelly. Uh, yeah, that is. It's
0: Nelly. Nelly. That quick. Yeah. All right. Uh, Richie might be, this might be hubris on the part of Richie. Let's find out. Was the song Hot in Here by Nelly and the St. Lunatics?
1: Yeah! That's all I needed. Is- now, that's it. We're not, we're not going to see the millennial again. Richie's gone. He's done. What do you want to say to him? Thanks for getting me through. I think after that little speed bump, I think I'm going to be off to the races here. I just needed you earlier than I thought I would. Happy to help.
0: Uh, Richie, thank you. Exit stage left. He's going to go vape and create an app. Um, Sebastian, I'm asking you about Nelly. Here's why. Because in that song, uh, Hot in Here, there's a line that goes, then I'm leaving, please believe in me and the rest of my heathens. Check it, got it locked at the top of the four seasons. And that brings me to you. For years, you worked at the Four Seasons. You write about it beautifully in your book, which I just finished, Stay Hungry. Um, Sebastian, give yourself, what would your Yelp review be of yourself as a waiter?
1: Oh, wow, Yelp review. It would be um, drinks and food came out timely. However, server should be a little bit more friendly and seems extremely angry to be here.
0: So you're, first of all, that's a great review. When you're setting down the lemon drop martinis and and the nut trilogy, whatever that thing was called, you were just like, God damn it, take the nuts. You were actually pissed inside because you were a good waiter, I think.
1: I was good. I mean, I, I got the order right. There was never really a problem with me getting the information correct. My problem, and I actually wish I was better at it now reflecting back at the working at the Four Seasons. My problem was... I was using the job just to supplement my income while I was pursuing my dream. So my passion really didn't lie with waiting tables and food and beverage at the time. Uh, So I didn't really, I I used to play a game with my other server, uh, uh, my uh, coworkers, where I would say, let me try to get through one table without talking to them. (laughs) So the game would be, I would come up and i would just kind of nod my head and they would just give me the drinks come back put the drinks down and then sometimes they would just give me the i was just trying not to talk it was a game it was it it was a boring job for me but now i wish i would have paid more attention to we had like wine experts come in scotch tastings we had thomas keller from uh French Laundry come in. And I, I wish I would have gained some knowledge. But at the time, I just didn't want to be there.
0: I totally understand it. And I would imagine when you're chasing your dream, you must have had in that job a cavalcade of, of movie stars and celebrities and people successful come and order the martini from you. I'm sure that happened, right? So
1: 1998, I started there. And Four Seasons was the place to be, the Windows Lounge. Uh, Typically, they would have all the press junkets there for the movies, yeah. so you would get a lot of celebrities coming through there. I mean, some of the regulars were, you know, Sean Penn was constantly in there, and Nicole Kidman uh, waited on her. Shaq came in on Sundays. Uh, I waited on Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, all all these people. Uh, John Travolta. That's where I got the leg comment. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, it was surreal coming from the Northwest suburbs of Chicago in 1998. And then literally two months into being here, you know, I'm waiting on, uh, on Nicole Kidman. It was just surreal. Uh, so yeah, it was exciting. Every time you went into work, you didn't really know who was going to come in. It was just a grind of like people going in and like one woman's like, the wine glass the rim is too thick to rest on my lips do you have a thinner wine glass and in my head i'd be like really so that was the problem i had with the requests people wanted
0: what about the end of it never mind the requests what did you learn and what would you what would your tip be so to speak sebastian to the general public about tipping when they go to restaurants and bars
1: Standard for me was 20%. Now, I rarely veer off 20% just because I know how hard the job is. And sometimes when service collapses at a restaurant or the food comes out wrong or or what have you, I mean, you really got to be not a nice person uh, to get less than 20% for me. But 20% is kind of the standard. But uh, now what I... have I learned this from Seinfeld, I think tips really, really well. Mm-hmm. and he'll just kind of, you know if it's well, this is what i have adopted. if it's like a 320 dollar bill, OK? I'll give a 100. 100. So kind of 100 is the standard tip for a dinner, unless you really screw up.
0: So yeah. And then, but then also, like you have this pain in the ass now where you're a public person and let's say someone does screw up and you you go below 20. Then they take a picture of the tip and they tweet it. Sebastian Maniscalco is an asshole and he
1: was rude to me. Don't you feel like you're up against that, too? You know, I never even thought of that. But yeah, that 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 is out there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I that plays into it a little bit now that you're you know, I'm I'm kind of. The guy might know me yeah, uh, serving me. So, yeah, I kind of feel obligated to leave a, a 20% tip regardless. Um, but, yeah, I mean, tipping, uh, if you would talk to people, I think that people would say I'm a, I'm a pretty good tipper.
0: I believe it. If any, anyone who worked as a server always is, you're a pretty good tipper. You're off to a pretty good start here, too. Two for two, Sebastian. we got lots of stuff to talk about, including the show and the food, which I love and I'm going to get into. Question number three. This is a deep dive. Even if you had Richie available, he wouldn't be able to help you with this. Your category is children's television. Of all your success, Sebastian, all the stuff you've done, there's one thing in your life that you've done that I'm so jealous of, in that you were on the Bozo show and you did Bozo buckets. And that's like for childhood kids in Chicago, it's like going to Wonka's factory. But here's your question. Sebastian, on the Bozo show in the 1980s, what was the name of Bozo's clown sidekick? Cookie. (laughs) (laughs) He says cookie quickly. Is it cookie?
1: (laughs) I can't believe I got that right.
0: Oh, I'm so proud of you that you did. I was gonna ask you, you, (laughs) we're both sitting here giggling. Do you remember the name of like the wizard guy on the show? See,
1: that's what I thought you were gonna All ask. Right. You. Oh, I'm gonna be screwed here. Oh God, what do you know?
0: I do. Is it Wizzo? Yeah, fuck yeah, it's Wizzo. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. We gotta talk about the Bozo show for the rest of the hour. Some other time, man. That I'm so proud of you as a Chicagoan that you're like, cookie. Don't insult me with that. <laughs> ah, that's so good. Um, a lot of people listening don't know what we're talking about, but we're having a blast. I'm asking you about that cookie because now you're into cooking professionally. Well done with Sebastian Maniscalco. It's streaming now on Discovery Plus. It makes me laugh too, because you say stuff like, Italians need these sandwiches, like we need water. We we need it to survive. And uh, you gotta say hello to the yeast when you make sourdough. It looks like a blast. Like, do you have so much fun doing it?
1: Yeah, that was spawned out of the pandemic. So uh, I did a couple charity shows, uh, virtual Zoom shows with my friend, Dominic, who is a chef and he imports a lot of food for restaurants. And he was kind of struggling at the time due to the fact that the restaurants were closed. So I said, you know, why don't we do this thing? Get your name out there. We'll we'll, we'll donate some money. And I had a blast doing it and always. And I'm not a chef. I'm, I'm no way, shape or form a chef. I just enjoy the culinary arts and wine and good food. So I wanted to do a show that centered around things that I was interested in. Uh, I was interested in how, how sushi was made or yeah. how bread is made and how you cook meat over an open flame. So we did 13 of these episodes and we invited some some really cool people on the show. Uh, Bert Bachman, who's got a really great barbecue restaurant out here called Slab. And uh, And uh, God, who else we have? We had Bobby Lee, comedian. We had Whitney Cummings come in, Maz David Arnold, uh, Fortune Feimster. So we had some comedic uh, relief from the show, as well as some really cool chefs. And uh, we kind of married them together and and had a really good time doing it. Uh, Hopefully we'll get a chance to do it again uh, sometime here down the road. But, you know, it's a little bit of a departure from what I generally do in stand up comedy. But. Uh, I preferred that over kind of TV and film.
0: It's a good choice because it works for you. And my biggest endorsement of this show, Sebastian, at this point for me, and for, I think a lot of people, marriage is basically just that moment on Friday night where you sit down on the couch and you're like, honey, what should we watch? And we can never decide what the hell to watch as we're sitting down with our delivery food. This is the perfect show for that honey, what should we watch moment? Because, it's food, it's light, it's educational, it's Sebastian, it's funny, it's great. And there's one thing I like about it that I wanna ask you about. Now that you're doing the food show and you have the following and people like it and streaming now on Discovery Plus, please tell me that you have not started using the term foodie.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, we gotta come up with another term. Okay, tell me. I don't know what the term is, but foodie, is equivalent to selfie, which is another word I can't stand. Uh, Anything with an E at the end of it apparently bothers me. But yeah, I I have yet to come up with the term, but I just cringe when people go, I'm a foodie. Are you a foodie? I just, to me, it's not uh, something that I typically say. And I like the fact that you correlated the show with coming up with something for uh, a couple to watch, because I run into that myself with my wife. We sit down and, you know, if you want to watch a movie, I'm, I want to watch something where someone's getting blown up or some type of beheading or something.
0: Let's watch John Wick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and my wife's like, no.
1: <laughs> but yeah, this show, uh, this show definitely has some humor in it. And like you said, educational and it's easy to digest. It's not like you got to, you know, pay attention the whole time. It's, uh, it's, it's one of those shows.
0: It's an awesome show. In, in my house, I want to watch the blowing up stuff. And my wife either wants to watch something about British people or something about um, home improvement. And I, we just can't meet in the middle. We meet with this show and everybody else should, too. Let's go to question number four. Ready? Yeah. This is called Name the Movie, Sebastian. I have a movie clip for you. It's about 20 seconds long. I want you to listen to the entire thing, and all you have to do to start a blistering 4 for 4 and nip on Vigo Mortensen's heels is name the movie. Here you go. Sebastian Maniscalco, name this
1: movie. Tell you what. Forget the money. What? Forget the money. It's a lot of money. <laughs> what are you doing? What do you mean, forget the money? What am I doing? I'm talking to an empty telephone. I don't understand. Because there was a dead man on the other end of this fucking line. What do you think? Now, it's De Niro, but I'm trying to pin the movie. I'm going to say, I could get this wrong. Is it The Irishman?
0: Sebastian says it's The Irishman. Is it The Irishman? It's De Niro, he's talking on the phone about, there's a dead man on the other end of this fucking line. It's an empty telephone, hang up. 1995 Heat, Heat starring Robert De Niro. You kicking yourself?
1: You know, it's my instinct when it came on was Heat. Yeah. The telephone line didn't even register, stupid, right? <laughs>
0: um, I wish it was the <laughs>
1: I'm gonna get my Italian card taken away.
0: Uh, listen, there may be a couple questions coming that test your Italian card even further, so <laughs> we better get those. It's not the Irishman, it was heat, but um, Sebastian, simple, you were in the Irishman. Um, I loved it, I watched you. I hope, no disrespect, I was proud of you that you were in it, I was so impressed, I thought it was so cool. W- raised the way you were, your heritage, your family, stepping on the set of a Scorsese film to act and perform and hear him call action, how do you handle it?
1: So I had a lot of anxiety prior to going into that because I don't really do this for a living. I'm not like a trained actor, and now I'm acting with arguably some of the best that has ever done it. So uh, my first day, um, the first day of shooting was a scene between myself, De Niro, and Pesci. And Scorsese's out there, it's, it's, you know, I grew up watching these guys and it was a really a surreal moment for me to be involved in the scene. And then when Scorsese yelled cut, they all kind of huddled together, De Niro, Pesci, and, and Scorsese, and I was kind of outside that huddle. And me, you know, I'm always thinking negative. I'm like, this is it, I'm fired. Something, something went wrong, They're they're discussing my performance. Then I was like, should I be in that circle? Should I, you know, should I join that or should I just stay here? So, you know, and I'm always in my head. So uh, it was surreal, nerve wracking, but then exciting after I did one or two takes, because now I'm like, I could do this because I didn't know if I could do it going in. There's a there's a bit of doubt uh, I have. When I jump outside, what I generally uh, do for a living, which is stand-up, and whether it be a TV show, acting, or, or, or whatever, uh, I, I tend to feel um, insecure because I, I just don't do it enough. And, uh, but they made me feel right at home, and I, I had a blast doing it.
0: What is the huddle? What, what's going on? And were you right to not join it?
1: I thank God I didn't because it was just like, you know, it's like they know each other for the last whatever 40 years. Yeah. So that's just probably something they do on every movie, right? And I wasn't going to interrupt that. But, you know, they were doing it after the first take. And I'm like, that's it. It's over. I'm, you know, they're sending, they're sending somebody else in. So uh, yeah, I uh, as soon as I gained some confidence, then I felt at home. Yeah.
0: Well, how about this? There's another movie about my father that she's done. Now, check this headline. This is a real headline. This is how far you've come. The headline says, Robert De Niro joins Sebastian Maniscalco. That's how they phrased this thing. He's joining you and your little ship in a Lionsgate comedy about my father. All right. De Niro's playing your father in this movie. You're effectively playing yourself. Now, the word that jumps out to me is when you use Insecure. How do you stand there with Bobby and just go back and forth and act and exchange lines? Sebastian, how could you possibly do it as talented as you are?
1: Here's another. I was pining over this the whole time because I co-wrote this movie with my buddy Austin Earl. Never thought it would even get made. Just Uh kind of loosely based it on my life. Uh, It's a romantic comedy about a father and son relationship. And we Lionsgate loved the idea. They sent it out to De Niro, which you know, I, I'm like, yeah, right, he's not gonna he's not gonna like this or whatever. Loved the script, then he wanted to hear it out loud. So we hired a bunch of actors, went to New York, read the thing out loud, and then he committed to it. So as soon as that happened, I'm like, I'm gonna do this soup to nuts with Robert De Niro. Six week shoot in Alabama. Can I do this? Again, can I do this? And uh, again, anxiety, Uh, you know, can I remember all these lines, you know, all this stuff. And when we got there, uh, it took a little bit to get used to. Here's the difference, and you'll hear a lot of comedians say this, um, you know, the validation on stage that I'm funny is hearing the laughter. When you go to a movie, you don't really hear anything. So it's like, is this funny? You know, is this working? Uh, so that was my biggest speed bump to get over was the fact that I didn't know if I was doing well or not uh, based on, um, you know, my performance. So, uh, and then I, I uh, kind of leaned on De Niro during the movie just to kind of like, this guy, you know, I got Robert De Niro for six weeks. So why not talk to him about, you know, what's his process? How do you do this? How do you do that? And man, he was really, really helpful and really a, a pleasure to work with. Very, really, you know, kind of to himself. It's not like you yell cut and you know, you're going off laughing with him. He kind of you know, does his own thing and and sits kind of alone and 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 you know, you'd want to respect that. Maybe he's, you know, maybe you know, joking around that he was on the phone a lot and whatnot. And I'm like, he's probably trying to open up a nobu in Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> uh so yeah he was uh he was really really cool to work with and again another one of those experiences where i'm like because he's playing my dad and he's such a professional he wanted to hang out with my dad mm-hmm. uh so my dad came to set nice. to teach him how to do highlights because my dad's a, a hairdresser hairstylist yeah And he wanted to learn how to do highlights. So my dad is teaching De Niro on the set how to do highlights. And I'm looking at this going, I can't believe it. I can't believe my father and Robert De Niro. And they would talk on the phone. Like De Niro would call my dad. Hey, you free? And he's like, yeah, how would you say this in Italian? I mean, it it was incredible. So, yeah, these things that are happening to me. They, You know, I didn't have a vision board and I said, I want to do a movie with it. I just wanted to come out to L.A. in 1998 and do stand-up comedy for a living. Everything else has been really gravy.
0: It's incredible. And the reason you can jump in there and do that with De Niro is because your roots are you... You went to LA knowing nobody, having no contacts, nothing, and just made your way. It's unbelievable. We gotta keep moving, Sebastian. You're at question number five now, and you're about to be pissed off at me because everybody hates this category. You're three out of four. Your category is spelling. Spelling, here you go. Sebastian, how do you spell, how do you spell Chipotle?
1: C-H-I- P O L T E. Give me that one more time. C H I. P O L T E. Damn it. Unfortunately
0: that's incorrect. <laughs> I I tried to give you a second chance. C H I P O-T-L-E. You would flip the L and the T. I'm so sorry. I wanted you to get that one.
1: You know what? Because that's how I say it. (laughs) Chapulte.
0: See, I know that you say it that way. And that's kind of why I asked the question. And you couldn't hit the brakes to nail the spelling. Why are we talking about it? Um, Listen, first of all, everybody go to SebastianLive.com. First time I ever heard about you, my younger brother, significantly younger, he's like 11 years younger, sends me the clip. He's like, you got to see this guy. You got to see this guy. And it's this maniac on stage, sweating a little. And he's jumping around doing tortilla presses and guac and meat. And I'm like, this is amazing. I've never seen a guy do a bit like this. Can you walk into a Chipotle now? Like, how does that go when you do that? Do they, they know your deal?
1: No, I've I've walked into many of Chipotle's after that special has aired, and nobody has said anything. It's uh, but I wish actually I didn't do that bit when I did it because there's so much more I've seen at Chipotle to add to that bit because every time I go in there, there's something going on.
0: What did you say? Uh,
1: but no, I I thought and and uh, Chipotle gives out a like a VIP card and some people I know have this card and basically when they go in they eat for free mm-hmm. so I thought maybe Chipotle would send me a complimentary VIP card but sure. I got nothing
0: nothing after all you've done for that place nothing nothing <laughs>
1: Nothing. Not even a complimentary burrito. So, uh, yeah, I uh, I'm a big fan of Chipotle, and uh, yeah, I'm not getting not getting any any dividends from them.
0: Well, it could be maybe just because you keep mispronouncing their name on purpose. But I I don't speak for the people at Chipotle. <laughs> I don't know, but I know this. We got to move on because unfortunately, Sebastian. You've missed two in a row. So let's get back on this. Let's go to our roots. Question number six. Everybody go to SebastianLive.com. Your category is the book of Genesis. All right, here we go. To cover their private parts, Adam and Eve made garments out of what? Leaves. Say it again. Leaves. He says leaves, and that's absolutely correct. You got it. Thank God.
1: We don't want to get you kicked out of the church, too. Wait, wait, hold on. If if I miss any more, what happens?
0: Well, you don't catch Vigo. You basically have to play perfect 10 questions from this way out. You don't get eliminated or anything, but if you want to catch Vigo, you got to go perfect. I'm asking you about them covering their private parts with leaves because they did that in the Garden of Eden. Here's what I don't believe about you all these incredible things you've achieved. How is it possible that you, with your heritage and your upbringing, how did you work at the Olive
1: Garden? For
0: shame, did your father not spit on the floor? How's it, you did, how's it
1: possible? So I grew up with a really stringent father when I, when I came to work, yeah. you had to get a job. So there was no like summer break, spring break. It was literally you went to school and then you clocked in at some type of job. Mm -hmm. So over the summer, Olive Garden had opened up near my house up in Schaumburg near the Woodfield Mall. Okay. And my mother was like, you should get a job there. And uh, I said, well, you know, yeah, you should, you should apply and, and you should start making some money there. So although it's not authentic Italian food, it was a place for me to, uh, to, you know, I was they were, they were making me pay bills when I came back from college. Really? I moved back into my house from college yeah. and I had to pay rent and, and some of the electric bill. You know, it was, really? it was a free ride. Wow. So, uh, yeah, for an Italian guy, especially with a father who was born and raised in Sicily to be working at the Olive Garden is, is uh, sacrilege.
0: Let me just play a little devil's advocate. Woodfield Mall, massive, massive. Could there not have been a, a Bennigan's or a Chili's that might have been less sacrilegious
1: to work at? There was a Bennigan's across the street. But I think what happened, now that I'm starting to think about it, someone I knew worked at Olive Garden okay. and, got, and got me an in there. Okay. That's, yeah, that's, that's what it was. At the time... I didn't really look at it as being a bad thing. I was actually excited to work there, uh, just because, but I wasn't excited. There was a birthday song that you had to sing at the table. I wasn't really too keen on that.
0: Sebastian, do you remember the birthday song?
1: It started off uh, with the pasta we make to the lasagna we bake. Da, 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 da. Uh, that's it, that's all I know. That's all you got?
0: That's all I got. <laughs> and of course he worked there because he had a friend who hooked him up because when you're there, you're family. Like, this it, is absolutely perfect. Um, Sebastian, you are now, let me think about this. You are four out of six. We have four questions left. I want you to get all of them so you can tie Vigo. Question number seven, your category is capital cities. Okay. Your father, Salvatore Maniscalco, was born in Sicily. Sebastian, what is the capital of Sicily? Palermo. Palermo? (laughs) (laughs) Hold on, hold on. Uh, No good. (laughs) Let's find out. He said pretty quickly and confidently, Sebastian Maniscalco, the capital of Sicily, is Palermo. Is that right? It is. Oh. We're good. You're good, wait, my man. Wait,
1: did you know the answer?
0: Yeah, I was messing with you. I oh, knew okay, answer. my God, you had me going, man. Um, it's Palermo. You're good, you're safe. Uh, I ask about that. We've talked about your father a little bit with the Nero thing was amazing. I think there's an important story about your father, and I wonder how it affects your own fatherhood. Can you tell the story of when you were in Los Angeles and you were it was so important to you to never ask for money and to always be able to make your own way? At one point, you got into credit card debt and things were really bad and you called your mother and father in tears. What happened on that call?
1: Yeah, so I went ten thousand dollars in that I, I stopped working at the Four Seasons. I started working at Dish Network, uh, selling satellite dishes in a kiosk in a mall. And it wasn't going good. And I just had too much pride to ask for help. You know, my mother would call, Hey, how's it going? Hey, everything's good, everything's good. One night she called and she asked ask me, How how's it going? I'm like, Good. And she was sums up. Some some ain't right with you. What is it? And I just broke down. I go, Mom, I'm I'm Spiraling in debt, I was taking those uh, credit card checks they send you in the mail, Mm -hmm. like that for two, three thousand dollars, and I would cash those. And like the interest rate was like twenty eight percent or whatever it was. So then my father got on the phone. He's what's what's the problem? I said I'm ten thousand in the hole. He goes, I'll pay the debt off, but you got to pay me back every penny. So I'm like, all right. Uh, And that was my goal to give every penny back to my dad. I just. I didn't want to have that over me, and he held me to it. There was no like ah, it's all right you you paid me seven till I got to ten. Mm-hmm. uh then he shut it off so yeah, it was a eye opening experience for me uh, and I am um, grateful uh for my family that they helped me out during that time period because uh it, I went back to the four seasons to work to make the money because I wasn't making any money selling satellites.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think what's, what's interesting about it isn't even just that they helped you out. It's that he held you to it. Because a lot yeah. of parents would say, whatever, here's the money. I'm, I'm interested in how it affects you. I know you're a father now. You and I have some of the same values. I, I try to be strict and do some of the things you, same things your father did with my kids. But inevitably, I just love them so much. I just want to spoil them. I just say, screw teaching them a lesson. I just want them to have everything they want.
1: How do you do it as a father? I believe you have a daughter, right? I have a daughter and I have a son, four and a half and two and a half. So my wife's like you, Uh, give in whatever they want. And I'm more the disciplinarian in the relationship. Uh, Yeah, it's amazing. And we were just talking about this at a soccer practice that my kid was at. The Kids came off, they wanted water to drink and we didn't have water for our son. We left it in the car. And my wife was ready to run back to the car and get the kid water. Kid was playing for 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. So I told him, we don't got water. Get back in there. And he's like, okay. And then, you know, like, you can tell them no. You know what I'm saying? It's not going to, like, cripple their yeah. relationship with you. Uh, so, yeah, I I try to keep things in line. It's difficult. It's hard. Because I grew up, like you, in the northwest suburbs, middle-class family, we went on one vacation a year, nothing fancy, and now the kids are growing up in a little bit more of a you know it's a different environment, uh, you know, financially and and have you. But I have it beaten into me, you know. Please, thank you, uh, you know, be respectful, open the door, you know. That that's all stuff that was taught to me, and I'm teaching my kids the same the same way, and it's a little bit more difficult just because they're exposed to a lot of different things out here. For example, Chicago Bulls game. The first Bulls game I went to, my dad scrounged money up to get tickets to go see Jordan. And we were in obstructed view, upper balcony, sitting behind a pole. But I was excited to be there because Michael Jordan was playing. Now, you know, with success comes access, right? So you know, if I want to go to a game, I could get pretty good seats. Yeah. So well, I want to teach my kids that not everybody sits this close. So you almost want to take them up in the balcony for a game and then bring them down just to show them the the, the disparity, you know. Um, so it's, it's you know, it's, uh, it's a little difficult navigating those waters, but uh, I'm trying to do the best I can.
0: I can tell it's you just described an exact scene from a Bronx tale in which the kid has De Niro, his dad in the cheap seats. And then down there, she has Palminteri says, come on down here ringside. And De Niro's like, no, we paid for these seats. And I think it's it's special and it's hard to do. And if your mother, if your wife is like me next time, never mind the water. She's going to be the parent who's bringing Gatorade. Now water is beneath my child. (laughs) She's going to have Gatorade. That's the way that it always goes. But I love that you're doing it like you are. All right. Three questions left. This is everybody's favorite category, Sebastian. Everybody go to SebastianLive.com and see this guy on tour and watch him on Discovery+. Plus. This category is Finish the Lyric. I have for you a popular piece of music. I know you've heard it. You're gonna hear the lyricist do their thing, or singing or rapping or whatever. It's gonna stop on a dime. And you, my friend, need to finish the lyric from where it stops. I picked something I know is wheelhouse for you. So don't worry, I got you, I got you. Sebastian Maniscalco, listen closely. And finish this lyric. Oh, I'm so happy. We have been heavenless. I can't believe
1: what God has done. Through what he's given life to one. Isn't she lovely? Yeah.
0: <laughs> he got it. Hit it. it! Of course, this isn't she lovely. Me? Look at you. You're so stressed. Beautiful song. You know the song. Oh God, yeah, yeah. Um, oh. You know why I'm playing that? Because I've talked about your book a few times, um, which is so good and unbelievably inspiring. Like, I read this book and I want to run through a wall, but of course it's funny, too. And the idea of you as a student in school going up and performing, I guess you could call it a Stevie Wonder... Uh, impression? What what happened that day and why did you do that?
1: Uh, so, I was a shy kid. I wasn't the class clown. Okay, but I love getting in front of the class and doing book reports or anything that required me getting up in front of the class and speaking. So, uh, we had a book report and it was uh, autobiography. I had to read an autobiography of someone who interests you. At the time, Stevie Wonder I was a fan of Stevie Wonder. So, I, you know, did I read the entire book? Probably not. Uh, But my go to in school was if I could make people laugh, they would forget that I didn't know the material. Uh, So in this particular instance, I dressed up as Stevie Wonder with the, with the hat and the glasses and the whole thing. And I, and I, you know, I came in and I did the whole, you know, the head back and forth and the the class loved it because when I would watch other people give the book report, I would sit there and go entertain me, man, we're here for eight hours. Give me something. (laughs) So I felt it was my obligation to entertain the classroom because we were stuck at school and uh, you know, no one really enjoyed sitting there learning about social studies. So yeah, I, I really enjoyed getting in, in front of the class.
0: Sebastian, we're almost done, two questions left. You get them both right, you tie your boy Vigo. Question number nine, category is perspiration. Perspiration, all right, and it's a multiple choice. So there's a website, a zanimals.com. It's all about wild animals. Which of the following animals made their list of sweatiest animals. Is it A, zebra, B, anteater, or C, cheetah? Which has made their list of the sweatiest animals in the animal kingdom? Zebra, anteater,
1: cheetah. What do you think? I'm gonna go, I gotta go with my first cut, cheetah. How come? (laughs) I'm fast.
0: <laughs> when you run fast, you sweat. The man's logical. Um, all right. Zebra, anteater, cheetah. Is cheetah on the list? Oh, sweats like a pig. Is it anteater? See, this is good. It's not anteater. It's a zebra. Oh, zebra sweats. I, I didn't know, but they're in this equine family. I guess horses sweat, zebras sweat. I'm asking you about disgusting animal sweat because you and I are brothers. I am a heavily perspiring individual when I perform in my personal life. And I know you battle with that, too. Um, Talk about the cold, hard reality of being on stage and just starting to feel the drops come down your lower back, your side, your face. How do you perform as a sweater? Uh, So
1: my sweating particularly was in the armpit area. Yep. Prior to going on stage or anything, TV, late night show, I would start to really sweat out of my armpits in in a way where it was disgusting. You know, like normally armpit sweat in general is no good, but when you got it and it's covering the side of your shirt, it's not, it's not a good thing. So I had went to the dermatologist and they had, Injected me with Botox shots in both arms to uh, stifle the sweating, uh, which it, it worked. But it's just not a good look when you're on stage, primarily coming out of your armpits. Now I've been on stage where you know I'm sweating here and yeah, yeah. here, which you know is, is you know I'm moving around a lot, so it's not like it's not like it's oh well, why is he sweating? Uh, I mean Richard Pryor in one of his specials was drenched. Yeah. up there. Uh, but when it's coming out of the armpits and it's not coming out of anywhere else, it needs to be handled.
0: I know that way back in the day, you were an extra on Days of Our Lives. I used to be a series regular on Days of Our Lives. And I they'd, you know, they'd be like, reach up and touch your face. And then it'd just be like, it's just disgusting sweat ocean. So you got the Botox and that works?
1: It works. It it definitely works. I did it before I did the movie with De Niro because I know I was going to be sweating. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I get it maybe once or twice a year. Um, It's not as bad as it used to be. Um, But, yeah, uh, it's funny, Days of Our Lives. You were on that show, huh? Yeah. I I used to be, like, uh, filing. I used to work at the police station. Sure. Back and forth. Just hoping to be like.
0: Bowen and Hope and all that stuff, and they'd be chasing leads on this criminal running around town. That's what you did. Yeah. It's not bad gig, right?
1: It paid at the time. I think a, a, an extra with no lines for the day. I'm thinking you made one fifty eight. I'm thinking that's that's right. The, so I looked at it as it's a shift at the Four Seasons. So I'd rather be on set at Days of Our Lives than dealing with a nut caddy at Four Seasons.
0: The nut caddy is incredible. It sounds dirty as hell, but it actually is just a caddy of nuts. All right, six of nine. You have uh, passed Minnesota Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins, actor bull Bill Pullman. And you have one last question, Sebastian. Question number 10 is always an essay in which I have found an opinion of yours or like a take that I'm not sure I agree with. And I give you the floor to convince me. If I'm convinced of your answer, I give you the point. Way back in the day, we took an acting class, or rather a comedy class, called Sandy Shore's Sandbox. Okay? The comedy story. You took it for a long time. It's really helpful for you, as I understand. But when you talk about the class, you have this little side opinion that I was fascinated by, in which you say, it's a terrible name. I hate sand. You say you hate sand. So the floor is yours, Sebastian, to convince us. Sand brings a lot of
1: people a lot of joy. But why you hate it and are right in doing so? First and foremost, I don't like sand on my feet coming out of the ocean, going back to the towel. I don't like having my feet look like tempura. All right. It bothers me in between my toes. Everything is always got sand in it. God forbid you bring us food to the the beach. There's sand in the sandwich. Now, You throw kids on top of that. You go to the beach with kids. Mm -hmm. Now you got two more people with sand on them that you got to bring into the car. Now your car looks like the beach. (laughs) So it's more about the sand being a nuisance. Mm -hmm. I love the ocean. Don't get me wrong. It's just, I wish the parking lot butted up to the water so you just (laughs) got out of your car and went into the water and then got back in it's just too um it's everywhere and it's uh it's a problem is there a worse
0: feeling in the world than slipping into bed at night on the sheets and there's sand in the sheets oh my god the worst and you're right and you know what? You got the point. You have finished the 10 questions. I am so proud of you. I am so impressed. Sebastian Matiscalco, you got a seven out of 10. It's it's nothing to sneeze at. How do you feel?
1: I'm disappointed. Are I you? really am. Uh, yeah, I, I wish the heat, the heat one, I, I should have had that. Yeah. And uh, the zebra. <laughs> you always got it. You got it. Everybody knows
0: zebras sweat profusely. It's a I'm proud of you. Everybody watch Well Done with Sebastian Maniscalco. I really mean this. My wife and I watch it. It's food. It's fun. And then meanwhile, go to the Nobody Does This Tour, SebastianLive.com. Sebastian, the reason you're here is because Vigo Mortensen called you out, so we need to pay it forward. Think of someone in your life, any public figure whatsoever that you know, that should come in here and compete with your 7 out of 10.
1: You know, I've never met this guy. Okay. Right? Right. But I'm a huge fan. It's one guy that I would love to meet. All right. I'm going to challenge Sylvester Stallone. Talk about it. Uh, Rocky was a huge inspiration for me growing up. I had the poster on my wall, Rocky Three, with the belt, the whole yellow and black. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a scene in, is it three? Yeah, three. Or he's rolling around in the weeds with Adrian, with a beautiful beige sweater. Mm-hmm. I spent two or three years trying to find that same sweater after the movie came out. Uh, and it's just a guy that, you know, was just such a big part of my childhood. And, and um, you know, when people go, well, who would you like to meet? That's one guy I would love to meet. And I would love to... Uh, challenged stallone actually you know what i met him briefly at, a, at an award show really? but it was it was yeah i'm not i, I can't hate big fan but in and out yeah but yeah. Uh, yeah i wouldn't mind having dinner with a stallone
0: all right well um ivan drago could not beat stallone we'll see if maniscalco can it's, this guy has it all going on sebastian unbelievably generous uh, kind of you to come on the show. You were so great, and I hope we send so many people to your tour and to your show. I am a massive fan. I have huge respect for you. Thank you so much.
1: Hey, man. Thanks for having me on. I really do appreciate it, and uh, hopefully we will have a great uh, year.
0: This episode of 10 Questions was produced by Arjuna Ramgopal, Richie Bozek, and Isaiah Blakely.